Hey there. Welcome to the in-between. We're uh, so grateful you could join us today as we as we start to talk about next Sunday um, and, and what it looks like in Daniel 7 as we're finally past the overview of prophecy. Mostly. Mostly. I was say, yeah, uh, no, I didn't, I didn't finish. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that is always an interesting, you know, aspect to, to participating in the worship service when you're on staff and you have the notes. your notes. That's right. <laughs> and then just seeing like, and he's on point two of <laughs> yeah. seven yeah. and there's negative four minutes left. <laughs> exactly and, right. We're at negative yeah. four. We're in the red at four minutes. I'm thinking he's not going to finish. It's a good thing we didn't. You know, pick a song we really wanted to finish for the invitation. Absolutely, <laughs> it, it still always works, though. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, a hundred percent. That I don't mean the ser- the sermon does not always work. I mean, the people out there may <laughs> right. not know, but yeah. but I mean the the coordination of the musical choices and the, all that stuff. It is amazing how God protects that. Sure, even when I don't, even if I don't get to the point in yeah. the sermon that John was focusing in on when right. he chose a certain song. That song still, it is amazing how that song still works, sometimes better, better than either yeah. one of us would have planned on it. That's, that is a, that's a little miracle that we work hard. We take for, for granted too. But that God does. I sorry, I take for granted. I'm like, God's going to take care <laughs> yeah, of it. It's exactly. fine. <laughs> it will be okay. It'll be okay. I mean, there are definitely times where I'm stressing over, like, I just don't know where he's going to go with that. I don't know, like, what, because um, I picked the songs before you're even done with your. That's right. A lot of times notes before most I'm done of the time. Notes. Yeah, most but time. the I mean, because we got to rehearse on Thursday, so we got to got to have something to rehearse. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's definitely that. Like, I think this is what it's going to look like, right? Um, and you know, hopefully, based on the conversations that we've had, we're we're all kind of tracking on the same page, right? Um, but yeah, that's what we're going to talk about. Trying to get on the same page about what. Uh, what Daniel seven, what the rest of your sermon? From well, we're gonna last we're gonna Sunday. move into so, yeah. And part of that was also just a funny thing for me, and that I and Paul and I talked about it right before, is that I, I had in my head that that Bible project video was four minutes long. Oh, it was eight. Nine it was minutes? almost nine, nine. Yeah. and yeah. I, I don't know if I I either just watched it and loved it so much that the time went by so fast because usually videos like that wear me out but yeah. they're longer than that and and uh and so i was like i i mean i'm committed to doing this but it it felt long well in a 35 to 45 minute sermon That's nine minutes is a mm-hmm. lot i mean you're yeah. <laughs> you're you're at 30 to 25 to 30 percent of the whole time yeah and and in my brain i had accounted for maybe half of that maybe and even then i knew there was a good chance i wasn't going to finish right. sunday i mean i wrote longer than yeah i thought i would and i knew a lot of it would pass on to this week, but moving into the transition is moving from here's the, here's, so here's the transition I'm working on. So any thoughts when you go, okay, so this is what prophecy means and what prophecy teaches us. Well, we've said already one of the themes that's going to come back and back through prophecy is God is in control. God is sovereign. He knows what's going on. Like that's kind of the, I said almost jokingly a few weeks ago, like the applications are going to seem really familiar after a few weeks. Like the application next week is probably going to be some version of God is sovereign and he is in control and he knows what's going on. And makes it really easy to pick the songs. Yeah, exactly. Well, there you go. But so this next little phase is a summary 
really of why back at the beginning I chose Daniel, which yeah. is how do we engage in this culture? And so I'm going to like, I've, I've touched on it, commented on it, referenced it, but now I'm actually going to teach, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Hey, you looked last I week. Did. Yeah, so, and I got to zero of these. Now, of yeah, these of seven, these, I got to zero. Right. Um, but seven points about what it means to us that God is sovereign and in control, what it meant to Daniel, what it means to us. Seven points for Daniel 7. That's exactly right. Look at how I, I planned all that. No, you didn't. So, <laughs> no, I didn't. The uh, You're right. But then to move directly into 7, and so honestly for me, I have not done a lot of preaching. A lot of people don't realize this. I've taught a lot of prophecy, but... I have not preached through much prophecy. Yeah. And you want so, to talk about the difference between that? Because I think for most people that's lost. They don't That's a good point. They don't know what that means. So one one big one is time and focus. I mean it's so if I'm teaching a like the womenary class I teach, I mean it's two hours long with a ten minute break. You can unpack a lot of linear concepts in two hours. Even a Sunday a Bible study class or a Sunday school class is usually in the area of an hour of teaching. Mm-hmm. Versus, I mean, I'm supposed to go in the 35-minute range. I can fudge all the way up to 45 at times, but and usually are about 40. Um, but that's a, um, there's a lot less, it feels like there's a lot less you can do. Plus, you're engaging with a crowd of people. It's not 12 students. It's, mm-hmm. you know, at, right now, 250-ish students and parishioners. And it just... It's involved. It's much more involved with stuff. I had a, and again, this is gets down in a little bit of semantics, but I think it helps with the spirit of it. Um, I had a professor who would talk about uh, the difference of preaching and teaching. Being the teacher is more responsible for the students' comprehension and understanding of the material, whereas the preacher is more responsible for the faithful declaration of God's word. That. And, and mm. this is a little bit of the difference of, I think, what you yeah. said. Like, yeah. If you've got a, a class of 12 people, and you got yeah. two hours, and you're unpacking things, and somebody's, you know, you're you're 15 minutes in, and somebody's not tracking. Like, right. as the teacher, it's kind of the, oh, well, I'm watching that. I can pick up on that. Well, like, they may be asking, raising yeah, their hand. and Stopping you. I just raised my back. hand on the podcast, by <laughs> the way. <laughs> and This is me raising my hand. <laughs> That's right. It looks the same. But when you're at 300 people, right. 500 people, 1,000 people, you, you don't have that. And what right. you have is you... Your responsibility as the preacher is the faithful presentation of God's word, right? And then the congregational's response is to the text, is yep. to the message that's coming. Whereas it's it's much more intertwined when it's the teacher-student relationship. Yeah, I agree. There's also uh, the other one that I would say is, and this isn't universal by any means, because I think I'm I like teaching from the pulpit, if that makes sense. Like, right, but. But I think there also is an, a stronger obligation to the preacher for application than for the teacher in some ways. Like that the teacher sense. is also unpacking the material. At the end of that time, it, you're just out of time unpacking the material. And uh, versus the preacher really needs to have some step action step connected to what we mm-hmm. looked at today. Um, at least an option for an action step. Like this is. This is what you might do with this, what we looked at today. This is what this is what God's Spirit pointed out to me as an action. 
I certainly don't feel that. Now, across a, a whole class period, yes. Like if I'm teaching a class or if I was teaching across a whole year, yeah, the application, but it's, it's spread out. It's spread out, yeah. And so versus each each 35-minute segment needs a an action step, mm-hmm. and that feels like part of preaching as well. Um, versus I feel, I, I would say it this way, maybe I'm wrong about this, but I would feel like I had not done my job if at the end of most sermons, vast majority, I was going, all right, well, good. See you next yeah, week. There we are. See you next time. And But I don't feel that way at all if I'm teaching yeah. a, a, class, a Bible study class at the end going, all right, good, well, I'll pick up, they'll pick up there next week. And I know I do that some on mm-hmm. Sunday mornings, but if I don't have a step into this type of thing, I feel like I've, <laughs> I've missed it. Um, but again, that's going to be real similar for a while. Not, not universally, and there's obviously there's going to be insights, and God's word will, will speak. The Spirit will illuminate. Well, I'm yeah. not, I'm not nervous about that at all. In the sense that what, what we're, um, uh, what, what our application is for the next foreseeable future, yeah, is something we need to harp on. And yeah, you know, I think sometimes in churches, re- repetition gets a bad name. Yeah, um, because you know, if 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 you're coming to church thinking there's a level of entertainment that's involved, like you're you're expecting something different every week. You're expecting something to to be new and whatever and and if and if it's not, then you feel kind of a letdown involved with that, but that's that's not actually the truth. You know, as much as we get upset with um uh, maybe speaking just for myself um in this one but uh get upset with uh worship pastors that um rely on flash instead of substance um for what they're doing um or or it seems like maybe the the attention is more on the flash instead of the substance uh, i don't know you look pretty flashy with that little mandolin on sunday i'm mm-hmm. telling you that is a that is a flashy mandolin that i <laughs> picked up from month this weekend um it's uh i think the volume dials got me oh yeah yeah i don't know because it looked like a little electric it like guitar a little electric guitar that's so funny <laughs> it just looked like more like a toy well i will tell you it's not it's not an expensive mandolin yeah <laughs> so it it's for for the sound that came out of it that's that's actually why i bought it is we're now digressing majorly but for the sound that came out of it i was really impressed with it despite what it looked like because mm-hmm. If you want to play the mandolin, you know, if you have any aspirations for playing the mandolin, then you're thinking like the the really cool like F stop like the F with the big whatever, curl with the big curl on mm-hmm. the top of it and like you know that that look that's like oh that's a really nice mandolin and I saw that one I was like that doesn't look like a really nice mandolin. <laughs> yeah. But it sounded like one and it was relatively inexpensive, so I was very very much involved with that. Sorry. No, it's okay. That's, but going, I think to try to pull us back, I was the one who got us off. But to, uh, I think, go back to your point, the idea of substance and flash and, and even the repetition, I think a lot of that goes along with the spiritual disciplines in a lot of ways. Like when what do you, you mean? When, whenever you come to a discipline, um, there's an aspect of kind of a commitment to, you know, an institution that God has given us. So whether, it, let's say, scripture reading or whether it's praying or whether it's fasting or almsgiving, like there's there's something about committing to the action and doing the action because 
God has instituted it. He has said, this is something that is worthy of your time. Um, and I know like a lot of times when it comes to, you know, when I pick a Bible reading plan or yeah. when it's like, okay, well, here's, here's the next thing that I'm going to commit in, um, you know, a, a, I need to improve this of my prayer life. So I need to focus on this one area and do this over and over again. Mm-hmm. Or, um, you know, you're reading, you're reading along and it's like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm reading scripture and it's the same thing or it's in the same book or it's in the, you know, and there's this aspect of I am disciplining myself to it. I'm not just relying on it entertaining me the entire time. Right. Right. Um, Because I think when, when I probably part of the problem is when I get to the aspects of my, when my disciplines are not me committing to it, but me simply relying on it drawing me or reaching out to me or, pulling me in, that's when I find myself getting lackadaisical about it or yeah. um, finding myself like straying away from the aspect of I'm truly disciplining myself to, to it. And so I don't know, there's, there's something natural I think about that, that idea of, okay, if we're going to preach through a book and if a book has this theme and it's a yep. repeated theme and it's yep. going to continue to do this, you know, and, and make this point come across, if some way in the preaching of that, you know, deviates away from that, then it's like we've missed absolutely the point of yep. what the book is trying to do. I feel like this goes back to what you constantly said about judges. Yeah, when absolutely. we went through judges, yep. and you're like, "I'm sorry, <laughs> this <laughs> is again what we looked at last week and what we looked at this week." But yep. I'm going to change up, you know, the the basic points in the beginning, but we're going to come to the same point at the yep. end. Yep, and and that's because judges was written that way. And yep. I feel like if you didn't, if you preach judges and didn't do that, then it's like you're you're again. It's not probably that you're doing it wrong. It's more of you're you're missing out on an aspect of communication about the book yeah. for what well, the book is. That's a good could, point. You could dangerously fall into eisegesis <laughs> there. Yep, where you're trying to find something different. My one of my the uh, lessons from my hermeneutics professor that's like still sticks with me to to today was when he said. Um, when you're reading scripture, you're not trying to find a new interpretation, right? Mm-hmm. You're trying to find the right interpretation, right? And you know, sometimes that'll be different. It's not like, um, I, I very much believe that the word is living and active and sharper than every, any two edged sword. Like it's, it, um, it is, it is able to, because of the huge depth of wisdom um, that we find in scripture, it's able to speak into a lot of different situations, but it, it may be saying the same thing into those situations. Absolutely. Um, and, uh, and that's, I feel like that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Um, the, the idea that, um, uh, you know, in these next few chapters, we're reminded, um, that God is in control, um, that, Things may seem out of hand, but they're not. Um, I I don't know that there's a more applicable uh, lesson for our lives right now, though. Like that's that feels like exactly what we need to harp on for a while. Which again, um, sounds like we really knew what we were doing, but no, right. That's a, that's, I think you're right. And I think, so it's a, 
there's a sense in which we like, like we did with um, judges that, you know, I'm going to say, hey, I'm, I'm sorry about this. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'm not apologizing yeah. for what God's word is teaching us here. And which also makes if sense. Daniel thought it was important. Right. And, and it's <laughs> yeah. what Daniel need. The message, I mean, what's wild is these next few chapters is largely Daniel getting insight from the angel, from the messenger. Mm-hmm. And, and if you're Daniel and you're going through the questions Daniel's asking, I mean, at one point during this next section, Daniel's going to ask what I consider to be a, a ext- an extremely tough question, which is, God told his people through Jeremiah, I'm going to send you into exile for 70 years. And Daniel looks at his watch, (laughs) and he goes, Here it comes. I mean, it's about 70 years. And so he's asking God this question. "Um, You said 70. Seems to me like it's about 70. What's the story? And God sends a messenger to say, I've changed my mind on this because of the continued failure of the people to submit and to listen. And so and then Daniel responds to that message. Yep. Instead of just bucking his authority. That's right. Saying, "Well, well, now I'm taking it my way." Or right, I'm exactly. This way. Yeah. But it's it's a I mean, you talk it's about It's got to be so hard. It, that lifetime of yes. faithfulness and then then like I was going to see Jerusalem again. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We were going to go home. I mean, Daniel had to be thinking he was going to lead the march back to Jerusalem. Somebody's going to carry him in a chair probably, but he was going to lead the march back to Jerusalem. And and God says, no. I mean, he's been faithful for all these years. Daniel hasn't blown it. I mean, we don't get that indication. But my people are not learning the lesson I sent them into exile to learn. So apparently they need to stay there a little longer. Speaking of things that we've said over and over in Daniel, this is just another great reminder that Daniel's not the protagonist. Yeah. Yeah, and Daniel in the prayer, and we're getting ahead of ourselves, but he still he he puts himself in the equation. I mean, he's saying we mm-hmm. and when he's talking about yeah all of the plight of Israel and how they've sinned. Mm-hmm. He's not saying they. Oh well, those people messed it up, <laughs> uh, and now here I am, still just stuck in exile. I'm doing everything perfectly while they're all still messing it up for me. No, he very much considers himself part of absolutely this problem when God reveals this to him, which again is just. <clears throat> a huge demonstration. He's not kind of putting himself in the center. Right. He knows God's still the perfect one who's enacting his plan. But that's what strikes me is how often we face stuff like this, typically to a much lesser degree at this stage, but we typically face it. And to realize what does what message does Daniel need more than any other is God reminding him, I'm I, still in control. I got this. I'm still sovereign. I haven't forgotten. And... So here's a here's a thing that crosses over to me, and this struck me reading through Daniel and realizing the extent of Daniel was um, I was born in 1972. Man, that was a long time ago. I know it. It's like 600 BC, and so 1900s. I know <laughs> millennia ago. The um, the uh, that was this is the year of Roe v. Wade was the year I was born, mm. and. So I have lived my whole life with the scourge of abortion on demand in this country. And and then when the other, I mean, a few months ago, when you start getting a couple of conservative judges put on the Supreme Court, and I, I for the first time, and then a bunch of conservative judges are put on, and by conservative here, all I mean is pro-life. Pro-life, right. Yeah, I don't, I'm not making any stance on anything else except they're pro-life. And so then they get put on the, 
circuit courts and some decisions start changing and a major decision comes out of, I think, the Ninth Circuit Court. And I, who am, who am again, I cry when things are epic, not sad, typically. I mean, I, I felt tears in my eyes when I thought, could this be reversed before I die? Like, I'm 50-ish, and so you go, is it possible that this could this could only encapsulate one lifetime, that this well, this horrific thing could go come and go in one lifetime? And and the thought of Daniel having that same I was brought I was among the first brought into exile, and I'm gonna get to go home when this is over with, because it's seventy years. Yep. And and I, by the way, you gotta love the fact that Daniel is reading Jeremiah. Yeah. I mean, I've always I I don't know why I never that's no, I have no intuition for that. I have no intuition for that these people saw God's word as God's word through other mm-hmm. prophets and teachers. And, and of course they did. I mean, but how I don't think that. I just have no intuition for that. Like, it weirds me out that Paul is reading other writers from his time period. Mm-hmm. So, we're about to get a. Um, so, that's a, that whole concept is just such a strange one to me. But, I mean, if you if God says, if God had said at the time when Roe v. Wade passed, seventy years, you know what? Your country has to go through this exile for seventy years, hmm. and I'm getting ready to turn seventy, and God says four hundred and ninety. Ooh, and I would I would need so God to remind me a few times. Yeah, you need to hear it more. Than I would just need once. to hear it over well, and over again. And and I think that there's there's something beautiful about seven. You know, we talked about in the video of the Bible Project pointed it out that this is this is linked to chapter two in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. When, you, when you read and and helpful if you're looking to prepare for Sunday, read seven, but also read two. That's a good point. Um, but at the same time, like this is this is again looking at the. The message to the audience and to the receiver, I mean, God has declared something that Daniel has seen to Nebuchadnezzar in a section that is addressed primarily to everyone, not just specifically the Jews, but to also what we'd call the Gentiles as well when we're looking at that section in Aramaic in 2 through 7, this idea of being proclaimed outward to everybody, and he does it through a king, and then now he repeats it, not just through a secondhand source, but now almost individually through Daniel. Right. And one of one of the commentators that I that I came across was was pointing out that fact, pointing out the personal application of this that this is God repeating a message that Daniel knows to be true now mm. for Daniel in a personal way That's so that a good point. so that he can kind of live that out. And he did it kind of interestingly kind of tying through uh, the inanimate and animate. It was mm-hmm. really what he what he drew from because in the first um, vision in two, it's and all the representations in the dream are inanimate objects, you know, mm. the clay, and then and right. then now um, in seven we're going to run into animate objects, living beasts and right. things, and 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 some of that when he was drawing from that theme, the idea of again what was what can mm. what can be distant, what now is personal, um, which again was at least interesting. I don't know, I wouldn't make a huge you know theological basis on the inanimate tanimate. But I think it is kind of an interesting note to think about it in the terms of God now is making a personal revelation to Daniel, right. at, for Daniel then to understand and then share. Um, and the fact that it's like, yeah, you, you've heard this, but I'm going to repeat this because you need <laughs> to know this 
and I'm going to make it where you now experience it firsthand. Yep. That's, that's a cool insight. But it's way later. I mean, it's, I mean, I guess I don't know the exact, it got to be decades later mm-hmm. from the first vision with Nebuchadnezzar to now he's experiencing this vision. Mm-hmm. And Nebuchadnezzar ruled for quite a while. That's a, that's a, it would be enough time to forget. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it'd be enough time to forget, especially with, and okay, so I'm, I'm doing a little supposition here while we're talking, but so imagine Nebuchadnezzar dies. Daniel's in his position that he has of author, of high authority with Nebuchadnezzar. And then Nebuchadnezzar's grandson takes power, Belteshazzar. However that happens. Yeah, exactly. And he's kind of an idiot, apparently. I mean, he's portrayed that way throughout his, what historical insights we have into him. He doesn't know who Daniel is during the writing on the walls, right? So he has to be told by his mother or grandmother about Daniel. Maybe this is a time of discouragement for Daniel. So the man who he's respected and loved, Nebuchadnezzar, has just died. Belshazzar has, Belteshazzar has yeah. now taken over, and maybe... I mean, I think it would make sense. I know we're making supposition here, but it makes sense that this could be a time of discouragement for Daniel of, oh, my gosh, we, we thought it was bad before. We thought it was rough. At least, at least we had a competent leader, mm-hmm. and now we have this guy, and God's going to give him a dream to remind him this one will fall, the next one will fall, the next one will fall, and then there will be a final one that eventually I will bring down directly. And that's a... That's an interesting thought. Maybe Daniel yeah. needed this reminder at this point to give this personal. Well, and maybe we need a reminder that um, our our hope is not in anything other than Jesus Christ. If you're hoping for something political to happen that's going to save us soon, it's that's yep. not where our hope Don't do is. That. So be encouraged.